0: Okay, I'm pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another episode of Drive to Make Theros! (laughs) The podcast that seemingly will not end. Um, Anyway, uh, for the last six podcasts, um, not consecutively, but uh, this is the seventh podcast dedicated to Theros. And all of the... um, I'm doing card-by-card stories, talking about different stories from Theros and exploring the design. Um... Uh, I've been doing an experiment trying to do a more recent set. And what I've learned is I have a lot more stories because I remember them all. So, uh, I should tell more stories about, about like, Tempest. Because, ah, uh, what was Tempest? I don't remember. Uh. Anyway, um, that was my old man voice. That was a very bad old man voice. <laughs> I do actually do a decent old man voice. That was not it, so. Um, okay. Last we left. Uh, where were we at? We were at... Hundred handed one. Okay, so hundred handed one is a Hecaton Heres. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I can spell it, but I cannot pronounce it. Um, okay, so when Ethan made his little book about Theros, um, and it listed all the things that magic had done that fell into Greek mythology and all the things it hadn't done, one of the things he listed on the hadn't done is a hundred handed one. Okay, so for those that know the Greek mythology, uh, the Hundred-Handed Ones were uh, these creatures that helped um, the gods overthrow the Titans, uh, Zeus and company. Uh, I think it aided them in overthrowing the Titans. Uh, but then they imprisoned them because they were powerful and they were worried that they'd overthrow them, I believe. Anyway, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not 100% on this one. But anyway, uh, they were creatures of mighty power. They were huge Um, Ethan definitely wanted to do 100-handed ones, and I was fine. So, one of the things I've explained before is, one of our philosophies with Top Down nowadays is that you have to think about rarity with how, what kind of resonant thing you want. And what we've learned is, common should be something that people just know. So, in Greek mythology, look, common's going to be satyrs and centaurs and cyclops and, you know, things that just you're familiar with. You know what they are. Um, you know, minotaurs and such. Um... And the idea is that as you get higher in rarity, you can get a little more obscure. Um, and the idea is that it's fine to sort of dig deep and give a reward to the people that really know the source material, just you got to do that at a higher rarity, not a lower rarity. Um, like The lesson of Kamigawa was some of that obscure stuff was done at lower rarities, and people were like, what? You know. And at a higher rarity, they still go, what? But uh, a, the, the as fan of what is much lower. Um, and it's fun every once in a while to learn something, you know, but it's not as much fun. It's, when the basic things aren't there, it's harder for you to, to latch on, you know. If, if you, What we want when you first open a top-down set is that the commons are just, oh, it's this, and oh, it's that, and just you recognize things. And so what you want to do is take the things that aren't so recognizable and use them uh, as a as a spice, you know, at a higher rarity so they show up. Um, and I think a hundred-handed one, so the other thing with hundred-handed one, so... The story of it is, um, originally it wasn't a, it didn't have monstrosity, um, but we're like, oh, once we realized the monstrosity the thing, we're like, of course it's got to have monstrosity, it's a giant monster. Um, and white, so one of the things we had done with monstrosity was, um, we had chosen to, to put it mostly in red and green, and so red and green have monstrosity at common, they have the most, you know, they in, the quantity and quality is higher, uh, and the idea was that everybody had a little bit of monsters, but white was the least monstrous. White, white just has the least big creatures. Uh, at lower rarities, it mostly has tiny things, and it was going to be more the human color and the army color, and you know, it had a role to play in the set, but it really wasn't going to be the monster color. But we wanted to make sure at high rarities we had a few monsters, um, and the 100-handed one seemed good as a white monster. Uh, so what happened was we made the card... I think the original version, before it had monstrosity, was it could block any number of creatures. Uh, I think Ethan made that version. Um, uh, and the idea is, okay, it's a big monster, it can block whatever... You're like, that was the original version. A big monster, it can block as many as it wants to. Um, and then I think we decided with monstrosity that we'd make the can block anything, the monstrosity part of it. So the idea is, I'm, I'm big, I can get bigger, and when I get bigger, my extra ability is I now can block anything. Because that was, like, the key to monstrosity is you want to sort of, um, you know, build into something cool. And so the end state, the coolest thing, which is what, where Ethan started, was, okay, giant monster that can block as many creatures as you want. It's pretty cool, you know, that it, 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 it serves as, until you get through this thing, you're not going to get to the player. And it can block everything. Um, so what happened was, I think the original version was, I don't remember the size. But it was whatever size, you, you do monstrosity, it gets some counters, and now it can block everything. And we were in a meeting and somebody, I don't remember who, I would give credit if I remember who it was, said, um, well, shouldn't it be, it can block 99 more things? Uh, and we laughed and we laughed and then I'm like, okay, we're using that. <laughs> um, cause one of the things that's very important in, in, in any magic set, but top down sets especially is that you want to find mechanics that sort of have a little bit of novelty in expressing flavor, uh. And the reality is, um, you know, the, the 99 Plus is just cute in the sense that it, I'm sure there will be games in which it matters that it can only block 100 things. But, you know, we thought it was kind of neat that, um, you know, that the 99 Plus was just a flavorful way to say what we wanted to say that just had a little extra oomph to it. Um, and one of the things that's funny, we've gone on this path, early magic was all about that. Just like... Write whatever makes the card the coolest it could be. And there was a lack of consistency, which was a lot of cards in alpha didn't all work the same, even though they were similar, because each card kind of handled the problems individually. Um, And then what happened was with time, like, okay, we need to consolidate that. We don't want cards working almost the same way. Cards need to work the same way. So we went to the other end of the spectrum, which is like, no novelty text, no trinket text, no, you know, let's cut to the bone. What does the card do? And then eventually we came back around saying, okay, you know, we got to be careful. We want to be consistent, but that doesn't mean that we can't use trinket So trinket by the way, um, there's no- novelty text and trinket which are slightly different things. I will define. Um, trinket text is something that adds flavor to the card that really in gameplay is not going to matter most of the time. Um, you know, a good example is um, you, you have a knight with protection from dragons. Well, how often is a knight going to even... Like, first of all, dragons fly, and the knight doesn't fly. Like, how in the world is it going to matter? Now, hey, there's some dragons that have direct damage effects that you know can activate to damage things. Oh, well, they can't hurt the knight. You know I mean? It's not that it never comes up, but hey, having a knight with protection from dragons has a very cool flavor to it. We call that trinket text. It doesn't matter much, but it adds something. So novelty text is a uh, hundred-handed one. So novelty text says... Okay, we wanted the creature to block any number of creatures. Well, blocking 99 additional creatures is functionally very similar to blocking any number, but it has more novelty to it. That it, it, it just reads funnier. You know, if the, if the card exists and it just said block any number, that card's not as cool as block 99 extra. Um, and so novelty text means that it doesn't tend to change the functionality. It just takes the functionality that exists and puts it in a fun way. Um, the other example of that, although this one didn't actually come, was "Door to Nothing." That Aaron and I originally had wanted it to destroy target player rather than they lose the game. I think we wanted to destroy target creature or player. Um, and the reality is, it's very similar to target player loses the game, but it just felt cooler. You know, destroy target creature or player felt cooler than target pl- player loses the game. You know, we've done target player loses the game a lot, and we've never done destroy target, play- target player. You know, plus creature or player is kind of cute anyway. That is novelty text. And that is what the 100-handed one is up to. Next, Hythonia the Cruel. The Cruel! Okay, so this started... So Hythonia the Cruel and uh, Keepsake Gorgon um, started in the set. Uh, Keepsake Gorgon was Baby Gorgon. And Hypotheon the Cruel... Um, Hythonia the Cruel um, was Mama Gorgon. Uh, And neither of them was Legendary when we made them originally. Uh, So the original version of the card was they both had Death Touch Um, because they're they're Gorgons. Um, And um, they um, uh, baby Gorgon uh, it's monstrous ability or monstrosity ability. It was called monstrous in in a design. So if I say monstrous I'm thinking monstrosity. Uh, It's monstrosity uh, effect was destroy target creature which I I think it still is. Um, And then um, Mama Gorgon had this cutesy thing where it did one damage to everything in play. Uh, And the reason that was cutesy was it had death touch. So that meant its damage would have death touch, which meant it killed everything. Uh, And development rightfully said, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, stop being so cutesy. Uh, It just destroys everything. Um, Oh, let me talk about non-Gorgon. I've joked a lot of you have seen me uh, in an interview at the Pro Tour and uh, on my column about how uh, I did non-Gorgon because uh, I, I wanted to create our own world of Greek mythology where Gorgon's new love Um, in the actual Greek mythology, Gorgons affected each other, it was a punishment, it was not meant to be something great, the fact that nobody could look at them without dying, even other Gorgons you know uh, the the point of the curse was it isolated them, when nobody can look at you it's very hard to have a relationship with somebody Um, and so but, uh, so there's two reasons I did not grow, one is you know, I I felt I felt, you know, I, I wanted our Gorgons to know, to know love um, but the, the mechanical reason, uh, there's actually mechanical reason, which is that um, by putting non-gorgon on Hythonia, I was I was making a gorgon tribal card, and what that meant is, oh, well, I have a card that kills everything except gorgons. Oh, well, you know what'll go well in that deck? Other gorgons. Uh, and so, for example, um, Keepsake Gorgon goes well with Hythonia because if you have Keepsake Gorgon in play and then play Hythonia, well, guess what? You kill everything except both of them. They both remain. And so it was a way to add a little bit of uh, Gorgon tribal. There's not a lot of Gorgons in the set, but uh, Magic has enough Gorgons that, look, you can use Hythonian to make a Gorgon deck. Um, Okay, so how does Hythonia become legendary? So this story is a cute cute one. Um, So what happens is we get the art in. So Jeremy Jarvis is the art director for Magic. He does an awesome job. Um, One of the things Jeremy does is when Art comes in, he picks the best art, uh, what we call Tier 1 art. And the reason is um, we pick images that we want to use for marketing and for, you know, like as we're trying to sell the set, like, oh, these are the best images, let's use these images, you know. Um, and the Hythonia was one of the tier one images. And uh, Creative finally said, oh, this is so awesome. We, want, we really want to use this in a lot of places. Oh, uh, this seems so awesome. This can't be a generic Gorgon. This has to be a specific Gorgon. Like, she looks awesome. And so uh, Creative came to development, I think at the time, and said, guys, Do you mind we make this legendary? And and development's like, oh no, no problem. It's very powerful. You know, legendary is fine. Um, And so we made it legendary uh, at at creators' request because like the the art was so awesome. They're like, we wanted to make this a character. They were inspired by the art to make it a character. Um, Next, we have Kragma Warcaller. So this is a black red card. It gives haste and plus two plus zero to Minotaurs. Okay, so one of the questions that I get about um, about this card is. Hey, wait a minute. Grant's haste and plus two plus zero. R- red could do that. Uh, and my answer to that... Is, why is it black red? Red can do that. And the answer is black can do that too. Black can also give plus two plus zero and haste. So one of the things we do... When if, if we talk about gold cards... Um, there's a bunch of different types of gold cards that we can do. I, I did a podcast, I believe, on gold cards. Um, one of the things is the intersection where... You find something that both colors can do... And then you give it at a bargain price because... Hybrid, I mean, not hybrid, uh, uh, multicolor costs are harder to get than a simple cost. So if I have a card that costs 2B or costs 2R, I can get a spell that costs 1BR that does more than either 2B or 2R can do. And so what happened was um, we wanted to make this a black red card because there's a cycle of uncommon cards that are encouraging different draft strategies. And this card is meant to be, I open this pack one, booster you know, booster one, uh, pick one, pick one, pack one, blah. pick one, pack one, that I want to go, ooh, I'm going to go Minotaurs. And then it's setting up, and it's red and black, and it says to draft black Minotaurs and red Minotaurs, and it lines everything up. Um, and so we really wanted this to be something that sort of sent you down that path. Also, we knew Minotaurs were going to be fun. We had put them in black and red in the set, and we wanted to make sure that if you're going to make a Minotaur deck, that we definitely encourage you to play red and black. Now note we made a, mono, a rare mono red minotaur Lord. that if you wanted to make a uh, if you wanted to so go bigger than just a set and make a, you know, in uh, casual, make a, a mono red minotaur, we gave you a very good minotaur red and mono red. That's not for limited, so we put it at rare. Once again, uh, when you look at rarities, like I said, I'll do a podcast on rarities one of these days. Um, rarities have a lot to do with limited, and so if something is meant for limited, it either goes a common or uncommon, and if it's not meant for limited, it goes at rare or mythic rare. Um, every once in a while it's not meant for limited and goes at lower rarities for complexity reasons but usually if it goes there it's something that can work in limited uh, it causes a problem for limited we always get it out of uncommon or common and uncommon okay next Labyrinth Champion oh so this is the the heroic so this is a guy who has heroic shock meaning when, when you tr- uh, target him he, he shocks something does two damage to a future player um we had him a common originally. So we decided early on, um, or I don't know, middle of the way on, that we wanted white and, white and green to have heroic that makes them bigger, uh, and white would have small effects. White, white would get the small plus one, plus one, like a single plus one counter, plus, plus a uh, small effect, where green would get more plus one, plus one counters. Uh, and, that bl- and blue and red were going to be more spell-oriented, Well, white and green were a little more creature-oriented. Black kind of cut the difference. Um, and so we wanted blue and red to have a little more, like, I generate a spell when I, when I target it. Um, and so one of the obvious spells... So one of the things, by the way, is every year we have new mechanics. And every time we do a new mechanic, the very first place we look to in red is damage. Now, I, I explain this, I think, in the red podcast, that I think damage is, is thought of, a, grouped together as like one thing, when really it does a whole bunch of different functions, and red uses it very useful. It's a very has a, very a lot of functions that you can use it for. Um, and so... Uh, Obviously, when we're thinking about heroic, it uh, wanted a red and wanted a spell effect shock. Ma- you know, uh, damage, direct damage made sense. Um, this one got moved around a little bit. And ended up it ended up going uncommon because we have a rule in New World Order that says if you're capable of killing multiple creatures, you get red flagged, which means you have to justify yourself in common. So usually, think a card capable of killing more than one creature uh, is not at common, and this thing is. So um, I think we, we had it a common for a day or two, and then like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, it's uncommon. And moved it to uncommon. Um, I do enjoy, by the way, that separating uh, heroic things that make themselves better versus heroic things that generate effects just make very different style of decks and play differently. Um, And one of the things that's very important is when you make a mechanic, trying to get breadth to the mechanic. The thing I like about heroic is, you know, while the trigger's the same, um, different kind of heroics work very differently. How you'll do things, it just, you know, it's a very different animal from I want to build this up to... I want to sort of, you know, use it as to build the deck around and, and the shock one or the draw cards. I mean, There's certain heroic ones that really let you sort of craft a deck if you're willing to do that. Okay, next, Lightning Strike. So, okay, Lightning Strike threw me a little bit. So when um, the set comes out, I, I have a, a blog, for those that are unaware, called Blogatog. It's on Tumblr. And I answer questions. Um, I also post my comment there, and I post my uh, podcast there, and I post my uh, my columns there. But um, the biggest thing I do there is I answer questions. And so one of the first things that happened is I started getting all these questions about lightning strike. Lightning strike? Why wasn't the searing spear? And I was a little taken aback, um, mostly because it's a common. Um, and, it, you know, I, I understand when we take a card that's a, a valuable card that people have, you know, you have a rare, mythic rare, and we just reprint it but change the name. Okay, now it's annoying. You have these cards, now you got to go and get other versions of these cards. And, um, uh, I understood that, but I, I i felt like it kind of was like, oh, you're, you're going to open four of these, just an opening, you know, you get a box, you're probably going to open four of these. It's, I didn't think it was that big a deal. In fact, I didn't even think it was that big a deal. So we're like, why are people so upset by this? Uh, and what i come to realize is that it's the principle of the thing. I think what happens is, we do something that's upsetting and then we do it enough that like it's not that this one's really that upsetting it's not that hard to get four lightning strikes but it's kind of the principle of the thing like we had just done a searing spear as a some sort of promo I believe an old art promo people oh, like, ooh I got this old art promo I want to use it oh the exact card exists but I can't use it um and lesson uh, sorry message heard uh, it's something from, I, I didn't realize how uh That that, that is something people were as touchy about as they are, which is important for me to understand, because if if something concerns you guys, I want to address it. And so, okay, I mean, that's very important. And it's it's why I have my blog, to learn things like this. Um, So let me explain how it happened, because, as you will see, um, there was never an opportunity to be serious, and I'll explain why. So what happened is, we had a spell. I don't remember what the spell did, uh, but it was a direct damage spell, and... I assume it had some of the mechanics of the set or something, uh, as, as, as we normally do. And so it got concepted as Lightning Strike, and we got, you know, Lightning Bolt. It, it's We knew we wanted a Lightning Bolt-like spell. I mean, Lightning Bolt we did not want to bring back. We talked about it, but it's very powerful, and it warps the environment. It causes all sorts of design issues. And I'm not saying we'll never reprint Lightning Bolt again, but it's, it's not something we want to do a lot. And we've done... I mean, in the big picture, we did it relatively recently. I know it's been a few years, but... Uh, It's not something we want to run all that often. It's supposed to be very infrequently. So we knew we wanted to do a lightning spell, and so we made this, you know, creative, like, um, you know, Jan was doing the card card, something. oh, direct damage spell. Okay, good, good. It's, you know, I mean, I can't call it lightning bolt, but lightning strike. You know, it's because the gods throw lightning. Um, And then what happened was the card turned out to be too good. And development figured out late enough that they didn't want to mess around with making a new card. So what happens when development needs to change a card late in the process, the normal thing they'll do is they'll change it to a card that's already existing. Um, and the reason for that is it's an understood thing. Um, you know, Lightning Strike, for example, and the Lightning Searing Spear is a card that development understands the power level of it is. It's, it's a card that actually means something to constructed, but in, in, a, in a way that's not scary to them and they know, you know. And so it was a late enough change that they said, okay, we, we need to change to a known thing. Now, they wanted to change a searing spear. The problem is, it was so late in the process that the art was already done for lightning strike. You know, there's there's a guy throwing a lightning bolt. Like, well, that's what the art is. And so searing spear didn't make any sense. It wasn't a spear. It wasn't on fire. It, it, it did The art didn't make any sense for searing spear. So the answer was, okay, it's a common... Look, we'll just give it a new name. Uh, and so they ended up saying, okay, we'll do searing spear, but we will going to change the name. Um, but it's not as if they knew the whole time they were doing Searing Sphere and just change the name. It was out of the necessity of trying to fix the problem. And so, um, I, if they decided to repeat Searing Sphere and just change it for the sake of, of changing it, I, I understand maybe people would be upset, but I'm trying to stress that that wasn't the case. Something happened. They, they didn't want to break the environment. And so, all the reasons behind it were very rational, sound envir- you know, reasons, um, but it did end up resulting in a Searing Sphere duplicate that's not called Searing Sphere. So, anyway, uh, it, d- it does now allow us a little flexibility. It is an ability we want to use a lot. And sometimes fire makes sense and sometimes lightning makes sense. So, it gives a little flexibility to match our world in the future. And I think that is good. Uh, Lotham Ketoblipus. Um, so, Ketoblipus, a uh, real short story here, uh, was also like Hippocamp, where Ethan really wanted to do it. And um, so, uh, it just was another one, just uh, trying to show. One of the things I, when, I, when I try to do these stories is the idea that there's context and there's ongoing things that are happening. And that one of the most important things about being on a design team, uh, or, or when I look for designers, I look for skill. That's very important. Um, but another thing that's, that is also equally important is part of being on a creative team is spending a lot of time in a small room with these people. That you want people that, that are that make the process fun and entertaining. And so we goof around a lot just because part of the creative process is being light and loose and having fun Uh, and so one of the running jokes of our things was Ethan was just trying to get he had a a short list he wanted a hundred handed one he wanted a catabletus he wanted a hippocamp and I used to just tease him I mean not that I didn't want that not that we didn't label those things not that we didn't encourage him to do that Um, but it just was a running joke you know where he could, uh, he was in charge of the file, and if I if I didn't name something, he could name it. And so, you know, he, like he would come in and go, "Okay, it's a it's a roaring kettle <laughs> and, and I, you know, the joke is he would say this, and I go, "Really?" He said, "Really, Uh And we would joke anyway. It was a running joke; it was funny. Um, I mean, the thing I'm hoping when I just talk about some of these stories is realize that look, um, you know, I want to get some of the humanity behind the, you know like, these are people making the sets, you know, and I, I'm a big believer of trying to share the who we are and that we're not just, you know, the man behind the curtain making stuff. That we are people, you know, and... Anyway, I will move on. Miss Cutter Hydra. If I asked you, I mean, Aaron did a little uh, question answered at the last Pro Tour. So if you weren't there, uh, for those that might not know the answer to this question, uh, what did this car? what Greek trope did Miss Cutter Hydra start as? And the answer is... Hercules, and you're like, what? Uh, and the answer was, uh, we had a we had Hercules. We wanted to do Hercules. So the original version of Hercules, like, I don't needed like some number of enchantments on it. Um, it was trying to it was trying to match the um, the labors of Hercules, and like it needed seven enchantments. But Hercules had twelve labors. It, it didn't make sense. It was, it was just impossible to play. And getting seven auras on something was crazy so we changed it um we came up with a card that i liked a lot so much i like a lot that i'm going to make the card so i'm not gonna tell you what the card did um but it did something that on the surface see, it was one of those things where um so i'll say this it was a twelve twelve for not a lot of mana and it had a restriction and the restriction was not i mean it the restriction seemed easier to overcome than it was but it was this neat restriction that you really, like, were challenged to beat the restriction. Uh, and the problem was two things. One is, creative didn't like having Hercules be a 12-12. We, we were tying a bunch of stuff together. and was, We were trying to make him the most powerful human, you know, ever. Because, oh, my God, he's super powerful. And, but we had a big fight about how big he was supposed to be. Um, and then, uh, the ability which we really liked, that I thought played well, development did not like at all. Uh, and the guide book, the the God book poll, it didn't fare that. in the rare poll, it didn't fare that well. It's an internal thing. We asked people in the building what they think of it. It Didn't do that well. And so at some point, they realized they needed a card that had to fit developmental purposes. And so what they did is, um, they're like, okay, we need a scrap. We need a green card. We can turn in this function. That you know, I, I think they were worried about. Um, I don't. I think it was Delver something blue. And so. They needed to scrap a card to make a green card that was good against th- this particular archetype. Uh, and the team didn't like this card. I, I tried to save this card. In fact, they tried to kill it multiple times, and I like, came to the card's defense. Usually as a lead designer, I will jump in once in a while on a few cards that I really think matter. I felt this matter. I really wanted it. Um, at some point, um, it got changed from Hercules to Hydra because the creator team didn't think it could be Hercules. So I'm like, fine, fine, fine. It's not Hercules. Um, but I like the card mechanics. I said, I said fine, it could be Hydra. Um, and, the, and they got art for Hydra in, so when they needed to change things, it was late enough that they, they, they couldn't change the art. So they ended up deciding they wanted to use the Hydra. And so my card, uh, the, the team's card, actually, uh, went bye-bye. So I will try to, some other day. One day when Hercules shows up, I mean, this card, not necessarily Hercules, uh, I will I'll tell you. Uh, next is Nessian Corsair. Um, so Nessing cursor was a card in Future Sight. So one of the things that happened in Future Sight was... Um, I was aware, as I was designing Future Sight, that it was getting a little complicated. Uh, for those unaware, it is the most complicated set in the history of complicated sets. Um, and so one of my ideas was... I was trying to figure out how to do um, future-shifted cards that could have a new frame that felt... Um, like, they made sense in the future-shifted frame, but weren't complicated. So one idea we came up with was full-frame commons. Uh oh, sorry, vanilla. Full-frame common vanillas. And the idea was, oh, it's a special frame, so the reason it's future-shifted is, ooh, the frame. It's a full-art vanilla. Because vanillas don't need a text box opposite. They're vanillas. Um, and so uh, we made a series of vanillas. Um, and we went to... We went to um, we also went to the development team, or maybe the developer on the design team, and said, what are vanillas we've never made? And trying to make some new vanillas and push in some places. And we made a few powerful vanillas. Um, but anyway, Creative had the world as an oyster. To, 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 like, one of the things Creative was doing during Future Sight was showing, uh, they were looking at future worlds. Like, here's a hint of places we might go. So on this card, uh, it was a centaur, so they made it like a uh, Greek-inspired world. Um, and that was the little nod in Future Sight that, you know, one day we might do a Greek mythological-inspired world. Um, So when it came time to um, do the set, whenever we do a set, we always look at Future Sight and say, oh, is there a Future Sight card that makes sense here? Um, When it does, we try to use it. We don't always use it. We're we're not slaves to Future Sight, but when we find opportunities, we look, Um, and I realized that this card was a perfect fit here. The name was made to match um, the world, you know, Nessian... Has roots in Greek uh, Greek root has Greek roots, I believe. Anyway, um, so we knew this was a perfect place. Obviously, we don't reprint art on new sets, so we knew it have a new piece of art. But we're like, oh, this is a very cool place. Um, I then teased that there was a future site card. In retrospect, I guess I made a mistake. Um, I, I think the problem was that I set up expectations for a crazy future site future shift card, and we got a very plain future site future shift card. So I think I made a mistake of expectations. Um, maybe, I'm not sure what I should have done, but uh, anyway, I, I, I like sort of teasing guys, I think, but I think when I tease you, I have to be careful not to lead you, like normally I, I, I lead you down the path of, you know, it's a 12-12 creature that costs one mana, 12-12 trampler that costs one mana. Um, but I think when people read that, they have expectations that, okay, of course there's a drawback, how else could you have a 12-12 trampler for one? Where this, people are just expecting the world, and then they got a little unhappy when I didn't give them the world, so a mistake on my part shrine I have no idea what accent that was. Um, so this card started as a top-down card. Um, basically, what, what happened was we wanted to make a temple because the temples were very big. And the idea was, oh, it's a temple to the gods. And so one of the ideas we had was, oh, well, if it's a temple to the gods, oh, well, let's make use of devotion because it's, it's a temple. Uh, and then the cleanest idea of devotion is, oh, we'll do a devotion with something that helps your man. It's a land. So, like, okay, well, we'll you know, cross... Temple has to be land. Devotion makes sense to temple. Um, Mana is tied to land. You know, we all mixed together, and we ended up with Nithos. Uh, we, did, when we made it, we had no idea it was going to be the powerhouse it's become. Um, I'm not sure if development tweaked its numbers or not. Um, I do know that, like I said, it was. It's funny when you make a card that ends up being this, you know, tournament staple, and really, I like we're just trying to make a top down temple. Um, you know, the, the, our goal was not lofty. It was just... I mean, it was lofty, but it wasn't... We weren't trying to make a powerful card. We were just trying to make a flavorful card. Uh, and it ended up being... I mean, I love, by the way, when the super flavorful cards happen to be good tournament cards. I think that, that's cool. It's neat. Um, I'm happy Devotion is, is is showing up and constructed like it is in the sense that here's the mechanics that I really I really wanted people to love. And now that it's getting played, I think people are really falling in love with it. Uh, Chroma never really got quite this reception, so I'm happy for that. Okay, Polukronos. Okay, so um, they, So the card was originally called Phytohydra. Um, and when you, uh, you use the monstrosity, it said, it fights all creatures. Um, and that's one of the things, that one of the luxuries of being designed is you can just write words. You can write words that sound like they make sense. Um, but at some point, uh, somebody has to look at those words and go, you know what? That, that doesn't actually work. Um, we try to have that happen during design. Um, sometimes the rares and the mythics will fall through only because um, we spend a lot more time on the mechanics, the things that happen a lot to make sure that all that stuff works. Because if any one card can't work, it's easy to change. But if the whole mechanic doesn't work, that, that can undermine your set significantly. Um, so it turns out Palucrinos couldn't fight everything. Eric did the best job he could to try to retain the general essence of it. Um, I'm a little sad, and then I'm not the. Biggest fan of green doing damage to creatures. Um, it does have a little bit of a fight feel, so I'm, I'm, I'm I, I can justify it in my head, I guess. Um, it's a little sad to me that it can't fight everything. I thought that was awesome. Um, the other thing, I guess, that um, what was one of Eric's issue, which is a very strong issue, is it tended to destroy lots of creatures but always die. And it's like you kind of want to have this cool creature in play, and so that's true. You want this giant creature in play. Um, so as I explained earlier today. Uh, The monstrosity, the monsters we ended up putting, uh, focusing in red and green. The idea being, if you're drafting, that red and green is where the monstrosity deck, the monster deck is going to be. Um, There's monsters in other colors. I believe black was next in line for monsters, and that blue and white had the least amount of monsters. Um, um, I think the way it worked was white was the least. So, uh, green was the most, then red, then black, then blue, then white, As my memory. Um, is how it played out that white didn't make a lot of sense for monsters. Blue had some serpents and things, so blue had a little more sense for monsters. Black had all the gorgons, and it had plenty of things that made a lot of sense there. So, um, and then red and green were, you know, very the monster colors, and they're the colors that are common, have a little bit bigger things, especially green. Um, so, anyway, uh, that is, that is Pookinus. Okay, I have now arrived at Wizards. Um, so, I need to wrap this up. I finished almost another column, all but one, but, uh, I guess next time... i hoping I will I'll be able to finish this off with one more. Maybe next time I'll have to pick up the pace. I got up to P, though. Um, so next time you join me, I will finish off P and hopefully get through the rest of the alphabet. Um, one of the big tests that I will we will discover with this set of podcasts is how many podcasts on a topic is too many podcasts? I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, we are testing the waters. Uh, it's on something that I know you guys like, is me talking about actual design stuff. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping this is something people like. Uh, I don't, hopefully not every future thing will be this long. Uh, I I think this was a byproduct of me just being recent, so I I know it in my head very, very well. Anyway, as always, I love talking design. I love talking, I love talking Theros. Um, I'm very, very proud of Theros. Um, I mean, I'm I'm part of many sets that I've done, but Theros definitely was one of the ones that everything lined up, and really it shines, and um, I feel like I feel like in the last couple of years, I've done some of my best work. Um, Innistrad and Theros are two of my best sets I've ever done, um, and I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, it's funny that they're both top-down. I, I believe that I... I mean, one of the things that I've been experimenting, you guys will see this in a, a, a upcoming years, is trying to do some stuff that's not top-down, that, that, that invests a lot of how we're doing design now in a different way. I want to use stiff-age design, things other than top-down um, only because we can't do top-down every year. There's only so many things that make sense with top-down. And you want to mix up anyway. Magic is best when we mix things up. So anyway, thank you very much for listening to me go on and on and on and on about Theros. But I guess it's time for me to be making magic. Talk to you next time, guys.